That's it for today with Rob Gill and the Epic Financial Strategies Podcast. Be sure to hop to iTunes or Spotify to subscribe and tune into all the podcasts. Also, be sure to follow the Rob Gill YouTube channel and Rob Gill social media channels. We'll see you on the next podcast. So check it out, folks. Like always, what we always really want to be able to do is bring different faces from different industries with different levels of success. But there's always one common denominator, and it's the commitment to not only learn, learn from mistakes, but, but be able to break through ceilings of complexity that um, really is what life's about, especially if you're entrepreneurs. We're always coming against headwinds. We're always coming against friction. And if we change the language and look at those as opportunities, what begins to happen is the rise becomes continuous. And one of the mantras that I always love to talk about is adversity is life's gymnasium. And wait until you see my next guest, <laughs> this brother right here, what he's accomplished and what he stands for in the world is incredible. I got my man, Mike Smikin. What's up, Mike, how you doing? Thank you, Rob. And like, seriously, you honor me. That means the world to me coming from you. Yeah. I trust you like no other person in the world. Wow. You you handle my wealth. Uh, you have simplified things. I'm Listen, commercial litigator, you think you'd understand everything. I never understood what I didn't understand until you explained it to me. So thank you, you honor me for that. Yeah, and I, you know, as we, I appreciate that, brother. And as we talk about a romance without a finance is a nuisance, right? So we gotta get the money right. So you can always trust Rob to like drop like <laughs> bombs like that that takes like seven seconds for it to sink in and then it just explodes in your mind and sets off all the all the little booby traps. So yeah. yes, Rob is fantastic with that. That was very good. You know, it's funny because um, I'm sitting here with Michael and and one of the things that I was just on a, a vacation with my wife and kids and we were in St. Thomas and um, I was all excited. I was feeling the moment and you know Janice and I are coming up on 20 years and. Um, so much so that I decided to buy a ring that was like very expensive. I'm not going to get into the math, um, but by all intents and purposes, you know, it could be a down payment on like, you know, a small condo. Right. And at the end of the day, it turned out that the ring wasn't thought it wasn't what I thought it was. Like I bought something Fair. that I thought was one thing, but it was the opposite. And in fact, it was probably worth half of what I paid for it. And they were marketing as double what I paid for it. So it was, so I thought I got away with something anyway. You know, the fear kicks in, you come home, you know, you get your local uh, person that looks at it and they're like, listen, I don't even want to tell you this, but you know, basically you got beat, right? And it's such a weird feeling. And you know, you go through the emotions of frustration, anger, fear, resentment, what am I going to do, the whole thing. And Michael, who is uh, not only a, 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 an ecosystem partner of mine, but he's also my attorney, um, he handled it professionally, swiftly, and all of a sudden, you know, once we stepped into it, he was able to recover all the dollars and everybody walked away happy. And that was, that was an amazing Well, not thing. everybody. Yeah, well, yeah. There, the was lady, some, there was some people dancing was when was, they made their sale. You know, it's funny you say that because <laughs> we were in the store for two to three hours. It was a, a back and forth conversation. And I remember thinking as the woman was trying to uh, use my debit card, it wouldn't work because like they wanted to put the whole sum on so they had to break it up over four payments. And she was dancing once it went through and I was like, and the whole time they were telling me that I'm not making any money. And when she was dancing, I was like, wait a second, why are you dancing if you're not making any money? Oh no, <laughs> I'm happy, I'm going home for the weekend, the whole thing. <laughs> so like, I walk out of there and I'm like, uh oh. That was like the first, as Sean would say, data point. Yes, right? yes. That was a data point That's right there. That's what we there. call a red flag. <laughs> yeah, that was a red flag. And then uh, we go back to the hotel, which is another island, but same jewelry store. They must've got the memo because they couldn't wait to tell my wife how beautiful the ring was. That's right. You know, right. so like it was, it was edification at its, at its. I think what they highest. actually said was the, the, the gesture was beautiful. They weren't actually looking at the ring and they're like, what a beautiful man, what a beautiful gesture, what a beautiful wife. You yes. know, they didn't even talk about the ring. I think Rob is just. Yeah. Telling myself a story. That's right. I, 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 I'm so good at telling myself stories. I think that's what happened, but it was beautiful. It was a beautiful gesture, a, a remarkable yes. gesture. Yes. So really awesome stuff. So, so for all you folks, I want you to take notes right now. Um, I want you to understand business and like when things are happening in business, there's also things happening in life. And when life gets the best of us, we still got to show up for work every day. Mm. If we have partnerships, they could be struggling. We got to show up for them, even if they can't show up at that particular time. 
And, and it also, it's like same thing in our marriages, same thing as with our kids and all these different things. The truest entrepreneurs that I know that exceed at the highest level are the ones that know how to do all the things that I just mentioned. So um, as we get into it, I want to just talk a little bit about where Mike's originally from and what the early years were like for him, um, you know, that kind of shaped who you became today. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, one of those things that I never really accessed much and didn't realize how much it, it, it impacted how I was raised was where I grew up. And I actually grew up in the projects in Flushing, Queens, a place called Pominock Projects. And um, I was the son of two immigrants from uh, the Ukraine, actually. So they both came from Kiev. Major shout out to Ukraine. That's right. And you were just there. So what a beautiful message. Thank by the way, by the way. I, I want to honor you for that because like you were in my parents' stomping grounds. So when you know, I saw what you did. They were rocking with Rob. Yeah. They were rolling. I mean, I had people, we couldn't even speak the same language. And they were like looking at like, they were like this. But it doesn't matter. They had love and appreciation yes. for you. And I saw what you did. And that was a beautiful Thank gesture. You. Not a lot of people saw that. And you serve so beautifully. You don't ask for anything. But I watched and I saw what you did. Yeah. And so for my family that was still back there, that was a beautiful thing that you did. So awesome. my parents came from the Ukraine. Uh, they settled in in Flushing, Queens. And I grew mm. up in the projects. And I was there for uh, 13 years. From like age 1 to 13 kind of thing? Or like 5 to Eight, like what was the age? So I was born in Flushing, Queens, yeah, so, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think I was born in Booth Memorial Hospital and was raised inside of the projects. And so from age one to 13, I had mm. a particular upbringing. Yeah, and listen, for, for boys, uh, I don't know, I mean, girls, you know, but I know boys, not 10, 11, 12, 13, those were very tough years for me. I know in my grammar school, it was like, it was a, it was a concrete jungle, like you had to look everywhere there was chestnuts getting thrown fist fights rocks that's right. everybody knew whose dad was an alcoholic or whose sister was a drug addict or who who didn't pay their bills and it was crack fights <laughs> and you know break dancing and the whole thing right tackle football and concrete everything yeah. except yeah. we didn't have chestnuts we had acorns uh and you had to, you had to know how to jump a fence with one hand mm. and you also had to look around every corner right Barbed every wire. single time yeah that's right danger so what was that like 10 11 12 what, what i mean like six to ten 10 to 13, was there a drastic change or was it just chaos? So, so absolutely. I mean, you don't think about it when you're being raised in that atmosphere. It just is. That's life. And um, after 13, I ended up moving out of the projects and the challenges that came. One of, one of the, the long lasting memories that I still have is mm. I was confronted by a group of guys with one of my best friends. And they said, listen, either you're both going to get beat up or you're going to fight each other. And the one who, oh, yeah, the one who wins doesn't get beat up. And mm. so I had a fight with one of my closest friends and those types of memories stay with you. But when you're there, wow. you don't think about what impact it has yeah. on your life. Ultimately, yeah, I just brought me back to that's crazy. No, yep. Thank you. And um, from there, we moved into a fairly affluent neighborhood in Rockland County. My parents did no, well. What was your parents? They were, must have been early entrepreneurs, right? Uh, like the struggle was early. Like, I, I mean, listen, if you call a taxi driver and a woman who cleaned houses entrepreneurs, then sure. Did they save every dime? They did. Yeah. So, and, and they were able to make... Did really, they replace themselves? They did not, okay. but they did make very intelligent investments, okay. right? Got I it. wish that they earlier in life had someone like you inside of their life, but they did have a guardian angel who came to them and said, hey... I'm doing these investments in real estate. I'd love for you to give me what you got. We'll mm. invest it into real estate. And they ended up investing in real estate. And, um, and what uh, year, was this in the 70s or 80s, Mike? Do you remember? It's gotta be in the early 90s, I would okay. think, right? New so York. Uh, maybe even late 80s, early 90s, New York, the yeah. Bronx, right? Got the it. Bronx is where they invested. Yep. And um, you know, they grew from there, you know, multiple dwellings to a hundred doors, right? Wow. Yeah. And so, wow. um, yeah, so they got to a hundred doors ultimately. There were a team though. Sounds there like. was no team, right? They, they had a sponsor at least, a mentor. A mentor. Yeah, yeah. We got call it. them that. Proven winner. That's exactly right. Got and it. that proven winner. That's important for, for modeling. I always share this with the group. Couldn't agree more. And that person didn't have a hundred doors. They had 3,000 doors. So they knew the game. They knew the game. Got right? It. And they and took a liking to your mom and dad, it sounds like. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And um, so they were very lucky in that regard. And uh, we moved to a, a fairly affluent neighborhood in, uh, in Rockland County. And so life was very different there, mm. right? And then, then you could see the contrast, yes. right? In the two lifestyles. Um, but from a very early age, um, that we'll call it the project lifestyle never left me. If you don't mind, there's parents that could be watching that have kids that are 10, 11, 12, 13 that are getting bullied right now. Yeah, sure. What is your message to the parents? on how to communicate, if at all. So it, it, 
it, it really depends. One of my earliest memories that I have is uh, we were getting chased by a bunch of guys. We were playing roller hockey, um, and they, they had taken our hockey sticks from us, and they had chased us. And we flew back to the house. That was safe, right? That was safe haven. And I remember my mother, who was a petite, you know, five foot three woman mm. flying out of the house with one of our skateboards and chasing these guys down. And from that day, I knew my mother had my back, right? Because yeah. she chased after a bully. It's a different way now, yeah. right? Where suddenly everybody has to capitulate and, and bow down. But knowing my mother had my back, that create, created a bond and strength of relationship yeah. that I knew that no matter what, I could always go back home. I was always be safe and always be taken care of. So great, thank you for that. Yeah. At the dinner table. Were you able to articulate what you were going through every day and not, Absolutely. not be scared to tell your parents? Absolutely. Because some of the kids, you know, some kids shut down, right? Yeah. The, um, the openness, the ability, like my parents had rules about no punishment if you tell the truth. Yeah. Right? So having that openness and relationship allowed you to feel that safety in that home community. Wow. And what about your dad? How was he kind of dealing with you on this so listen you know my dad was born and raised ukrainian i'm was not in, confused was in, what he was went through was, yeah. in the, was in the military yep. right and uh but was a very loving person right we yeah. called him he was like a malamar right he was tough on the outside but uh, salty, salty on the inside that's yeah. right um and he was he believed in strength he believed in personal responsibility but he also believed in nurture love and all those kinds mm. of things and he was a fake disciplinarian never disciplined us <laughs> he just pretended that he would and it never happened my mom was the disciplinarian in the house how many siblings so i have an older brother and an older sister okay so you're the baby that's I was right. a baby too that's got it right. and were they like there during this time like when this was were they much older were they two years? Like, what was that dynamic while this was happening to you? Were they going through their own struggles? My siblings? Yeah. So uh, my brother was three years older than me. Okay. So we were very similar in age. We hung out together to his, you know, he, he didn't particularly like that very much. Um, but yeah, same struggles. In fact, there's a horrible scenario. And it sounds like I had an awful childhood, but I didn't. I had a beautiful childhood. This is just part of the makeup, man. Yeah. This is what made, this is like, listen, life is about yeah. loving parents that are protecting their kids in, a, in, a, in an atmosphere where they're, it's very challenging. Yeah. And everybody's has that take mindset and bullying mindset, especially during that time. That's right. And if there wasn't a loving household, maybe the version of you in the multiverse is a different example. Today, Listen, right? I, I couldn't agree more because internally we'd beat each other up, yeah. but externally we had each other's yeah. backs. There was one instance where um, some kid claimed that I stepped on his jacket. I didn't. Just made shit up just to fight you, right? That's right. Yeah. Fought me, held my brother down, made him watch, yeah. and it changed who he was, yeah. right? And there was only one of two ways that we were going to turn out. Either we were going to go towards the path of justice, yeah. equity, fairness, guardian, protection, mm. or we were probably going to become like that mm. and have that element inside of our life. And me and my brother are both now attorneys, mm. right? Not surprising, right, uh, under those circumstances. And we have very strong beliefs about protecting the weaker, yeah. guardianship, um, just, just there in support, advocacy, strength, mm. um, being able to give people certainty in a time of the greatest level of uncertainty. Mm. That's, that's what we did, that's where we ended up. I love it. So new neighborhood, new challenges, Maybe not so much getting physically picked on, I don't know. Um, but I'm interested to hear what happened in that next wave. Well, I'll, t I'll tell you this much. Um, whatever bullying happened in that community was uh, nothing, right, compared to where we grew up. Sure. So whenever you encountered that kind of stuff, it was, there was a little bit of laughableness to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I'm going to take your lunch. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm like? You know. Versus give me your money, your wallet, yes. and then steal money from your parents. You better have it by tomorrow. you got to fight Joe. Well, I would say something even <laughs> further than that. If you wanted my lunch, you would not ask me for it, yeah, right? So yeah. if you wanted it, you would just take it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But um, but a, a little bit of that. Was it a public high school you went to? Or? It was, yeah. Okay. It was. What, what, but what? it was uh, uh, Clarkstown uh, High School South. Got it. In, okay. uh, in Rockland County. And it was, listen, it was beautiful. So I'm, I don't, where's Rockland County? Just so I know. Like, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. Bronx. I know Queens. Like, where is that? Yeah, yeah. So listen, so for my New Yorkers, it's about 20 minutes north of Manhattan. Got it. For everybody outside of the country, you got New York City. It's about, it's a little bit north of it. It's not upstate New yeah. York, although it's a little bit uh, further north from And the that. speed is a lot slower, even if oh, it's yes. 20 miles away. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny way to frame it, but yes, yeah. that is definitely true. Um, yeah. But yeah, and so the one thing that I can point to that happened there that probably 
proceeded uh, to move me down the track that I am now yeah. is I ended up working with a professor there or teacher there. And uh, she had me doing like college credits in, in so high school. You were really smart, like academically the whole time. Was that so? So was I, was a, a gift? I was. A, I was. A, so I have two claims to fame. Yeah. I have a fantastic memory. Yeah. And I was a damn good test taker. I have a fast processor, wow. and I was a good test taker. I never did homework. So if the class Ooh. was ranked heavy on homework, I had like a 2.0 GPA. Yeah. If it was heavily on tests, 4.0s. Right. Wow. I just nailed it in tests. Um, yeah, and I have a. Did you read a lot like growing up though? No. Like, was it a, was anything like what would you do hobby wise? I know it sounds so, like it was natural, but like what did you? What was Mike doing like on weekends when yeah, he so, was on the school? Or? So I used I used to play sports. I played hockey um, for a while, right? Street hockey into ice. Street hockey, ice hockey. Yeah, yeah. both of them. Wow. So I used to play hockey. Um, that it was just hanging out with friends, doing the thing, doing. Okay, it. so you were just doing, you were just small tough. town life. You were just good. As, you were smart. Like, there were certain gifts you had. There were certain gifts Like, listen, had. me and Mike share the same birthday, and I'm going to tell you right now, I never got a 4.0. I, I don't remember <laughs> anything. As a matter of fact, I was in college for four years. I got a 1.65. In high school, I had a 189. I was, like, 182. So I am not – if anyone thinks birthdays matter, you know, astrologically, if that's even the right word, Michael. It is. Yeah. We had the same birthday, and we're – opposite but wait but the same I, I did have a 2.7 gpa in high school so this is not like oh my god right, michael you really 1150 like 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 okay <laughs> that's all right that's all right i mean but rob how many hours did you study for the sat yeah. okay yeah yeah <laughs> there you go there's no class there, <laughs> there, was no, there you go one yeah. question yeah, and no. we have our answer c always go with c <laughs> just go see every time but let me ask you a more important question how, impor care. how important was the sat to you Nothing, none of it was yeah. And that's why, right? You know, in my house, my brother goes to Columbia Graduate School, but he's 12 years older than me. That's right. My sister's 11, my other sister's eight. I came along, and they were like, they, I didn't have, you remember like if you, in Queens, I'm sure you heard, be home when the street lights go on. That's right. I used to fake it, because my friends would go home. Mm -hmm. I would act like I had to go home. I didn't have to go home. Now, it wasn't because they, they loved me. They did, but they, you know, my dad was a, he was a police officer at work, shift work. My mom was just... They were just kind of done, you know what I mean? Like cereal sometimes, it didn't matter, you know. Like, but it was all good if that makes any sense. I listen. I understand it perfectly. No, they didn't check to see if I did my homework, you know. Same. Um, I think I got left left back in third grade, but that was because I was sick. I was in the hospital, and um, but there was really no emergency. Like, hey, this kid's in trouble academically. Let's let's figure something out. Right. Um, and and that I brought with me later on in life. Mm -hmm. You know, not not and me and Janice with our kids. Like that's that's a focus for us, but. It's interesting that, you know, the gifts that you had there when it came to, to schoolwork, and it sounds like a teacher had a really good impact on you. So, I mean, listen, we, we were raised where uh, we could either, we could choose whatever profession we wanted yeah. to be, as long as we were a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant. That was yeah. it, right? That yeah. Was, see, so, but anything we wanted within, oh, yeah. within those, those three. three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but the reality is, and just going back to this, because I think it's so important, I love that. the number, the 880, yeah. is meaningless to you. Because yeah. it wasn't backed by purpose. Yes. Right? Yes. So an outcome is just a number yep. unless it has purpose. If there's purpose well behind it, suddenly the number becomes meaningful and the 880 was not meaningful for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good point because when I, when I got sober and I started studying for my Series 7, my Series 24, it meant something. That's right. And these were tests that I was you know, able to pass That's right. because it meant something. That's right. You know right. what I mean? And, and then to your point, it didn't mean that back in the day. Um, so high school leads to... But, well, first of all, the funny story is 2.7 GPA, 1150. Um, yeah, that's like, right? you're not going to Harvard with that. No, certainly yeah. not. And they don't know, you're like one of the best attorneys in America. They don't even know. Which, I, which I appreciate. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we're, we're not even at that part of the story yet. I yeah. didn't even know where I wanted to go to college. My guidance counselor actually said that I should go to community college because he didn't think I had the grades to go anywhere. Yeah. So Was, my, was it good advice or were you like... And you that was know what you were capable of doing. It was it was horrendous advice, okay, right? And it. and you know, no shots at the guidance counselor. I'm sure he was doing his best. No, you know, no judgments or yeah, anything. He was going on averages, right? He was Bingo. looking at. So my my brother-in-law graduates from college. Your brother-in-law. Yeah, yeah. So my my sister's uh, husband. She, was she married at that point? So oh, she was dating, dating and it, it was like very serious. Okay. He graduates from college, and I go, "Where'd you go?" And he goes, "I went to uh, CUNY, Baruch." Right. Yeah. I go, "Great." I'm like, "What'd you study?" And he's like, "Finance." I'm like, great. And he's like, do you know where you're going? I was like, Baruch. And he's like, what are you going to study? Finance. <laughs> did, was he a model for you, though? Did you, did you like him? Did, I, I, not only 
did I like him? I do like him. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't right, so man. much a model as much it was, I didn't know what the heck I wanted oh, so to do. So he was do. a good guy in the shoot, though. That's right. Yeah. So this this is a good egg. He yeah. landed in a good place. I'm going to follow in his suit until I figure out what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's awesome. So I did. I, I applied awesome. to one school, CUNY Baruch. Thank you, guys. They accepted me. Um, that's right. And I studied finance and investment there. A romance without a finance. You know what that means. That's why I think we get along so well, because the economist mind. Yes, although you didn't learn a thing about finance, though, right? I listen. I actually, I, <laughs> I learned, I learned enough. The educational <laughs> system is dead. I, I learned enough about finance and economics to know that I did not want to be a yeah, uh, person in finance or an economist. Uh, yeah, I know that those classes are like just deadly. Yeah, you know they really are. And for the folks that know how to really work through that, I'm super impressed with any academic that could really kind of like dig into that, understand that, and apply that. In the way they teach you mean it. you don't like like the sharp formulas and any of yeah, that like, stuff? Yeah, None of like that I, for you? I know the shortcut on it, but like <laughs> the way they teach it, anyone that can really retain it, I'm super impressed with. Yeah, and um, I, think I mean that, that's not street finance though. That's like not really that no. relevant anymore. That's no. like if you're preparing your own algorithms. Well, to they print stuff money out. now, so it doesn't matter anyhow. You know, like it doesn't even. <laughs> and you got technicians that are <laughs> telling like, you when you should buy what, right? Yeah, and they 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 know the trade like half a second before everybody else. That's right. That's right. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, so you go to college now. Are you like, no finance law? I'm gonna go back to being nope. standing up for people. No, and listen, this is why, uh, whether you believe in some level of spirituality, divinity, universal energy, whatever you wanna call it, I didn't even know I was gonna go to law school. Um, even as a senior in college? Uh, as a junior in college, Got it. I took an elective course called the Law of Business Organization. Mm. And there was a professor there, and shame on me, I can't find the guy. I, try, I have no, tried everything. Feeling. I've called the administration, I have like, he taught this class. They can't tell me who this guy's name is. I can't find, I maybe cannot he, find him. Maybe he didn't exist. I, well, we're going to get to it. So I got a little bit of a chills from I mean, that. I'm, I'm going to chill like maybe this is like, you know. There's a little bit of paranormalness. Maybe there was nobody else inside the no, class. No, it was just you. But I, I, you took, I, I, took, I took the course. Actually, and I, it was the future you. Maybe it was. That was talking every day. In the, I know. Then yeah. I've changed a lot because this person did not look like I look today. Yeah, but it's okay. I know. Listen. I could but not. have you seen through the lizard eyes? The multi-dimension right. eyes? That's right. Probably. That's right. That's right. Or maybe it came from another universe and, no and the it. me from a different universe That's my looks point. different. Yeah. So anyway, so so we take the course. I like rock it. First, pro, first one done with and the you final. Loved it. Though. Loved it. You loved, loved it. it like really it was... enjoyed it, but still never thought anything about the law. I finish the, the final, I hand it into the guy, he grabs my hand in one of those tight handshakes, okay. and he goes, you've been an absolute pleasure to have inside this, this class, would you consider going to law school? You'd be a credit to the bar. Mm. And this was like a six month course? Six month course. So you, you developed good rapport with him? 100%. Yeah. Never thought about it before, yeah. like law school, still not sure what I'm gonna do, study finance and investments, didn't really wanna do that. Yeah. So I'm like, let me take a look at what it takes to go to law school. Yeah. Got to take a test, go there another three years, got another three years to figure my life out, got right? It. Sounds good. Took the LSAT, bombed it, Did right? You? The practice one, bombed it. And I go, holy crap, I don't know how to study. Okay, that's the first time you, you that's learned That's the first time I realized I didn't, got that's it. right. So it's about systems and processes. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And and because of my memory yeah. and because I was a good test taker, I was able to fake it till I make it. Yeah. And to that point. And then I took that law school exam and I was like, oh boy, yeah. I need to figure this out because I just did horribly. So did this horribly. was your first organic step into a formula. That's right. That's right. Please tell me. So I'd love, I, to, I'd love to know the adjustment. I then, I listen, I asked everybody, I go, what's your system? What's your process? What's your system? Really? What's your process? See, what's your system? That. What's your process? At that age. I, I, listen, I, I knew if this was something I was going to do, I know that I needed to find the model to make this work. Because Sean kind of said that too, right? Like, didn't he kind of do something like that listen, in school? Listen, at, at this point in time, I didn't know Sean. Had I known Sean, yeah. who knows what the other multiverse Mike would have oh, looked like. forget about because it. Because I'll, I'll tell you. Probably would have been like Jordan. Uh, probably. LeBron. Right? Because just working with him for 13 years changed the, traje the trajectory of my life already. Yeah. I don't even know what would have happened if I had him as a mentor that early. But he had mentioned in college he did the same thing, though, in law school. He he he. I, I, maybe I'm making it up in my head, but I thought he had said that he, he studied what people did no, successfully. You're, de you're dead on. And he modeled it plus. Same thing. Yeah, so and he, you did the same thing, though. That's it, and he figured it out much 
a little bit later, but much faster than I did. Which is what he does. Right. Yeah. And so, and listen, I didn't have the tools to, to explain what was happening, you know, the time blocking, the modeling, yeah, yeah. the innovations, the measuring and monitoring, <sighs> but, but you were doing them, yeah. right? So I would take a practice exam. I would take a look at how well I did. Where did I do well? Where did I miss it? Yep. Measuring and monitoring, yep. right? I was time blocking every day. I was going to study three hours a day to, to you really were committed, do well in the though. test. I was committed. You burned the boats. I had purpose. Yes. So the outcome mattered. It yes. was a number. The number doesn't matter unless you have purpose. If you have purpose, the outcome matters. That's right. You monitor and measure. Michael Swankin. Go ahead. Thank you, sir. So, yeah. And, well, we, could, we should quote Sean Callagy for that. Right? Well, yeah. He's the godfather, no doubt. But <laughs> in this interview, yeah. Agreed. So studied like an animal and I did well enough that I got accepted at a couple of schools. Okay. Um, ultimately, Seton Hall won me over by offering me a scholarship. Did they and really? Yeah, they did. Was that normal? Is that did they normally give scholarships? Um, they did to you a must number. Have did something pretty cool though. So listen, talk about salesmanship, right? Was it like a. I had put my seat deposit down at another school. A week before classes started at Seton Hall, a week before classes started at the school that I was gonna go to, I got a call from someone at Seton Hall. No scarcity, no chase mentality, mm. no nothing. Hey, just wanted to reach out to you. We want to offer you admission to Seton Hall. And I go, where were you guys two months ago before I put my two seat deposits down at the school that I'm going to go to? Yeah. And the guy goes, well, we're here now. I was like, you, you're right, but sorry, a little too late. And he goes, well, let me ask you a question. Mm. Where are you going? And I told him the name of the school. Yeah. I don't want to be insulting to the school, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't as good Respect. as Seton Hall. And his immediate reaction was, why do you want to go there? <laughs> so I was like, well, first of all, they accepted me outright. They called me immediately and I put my deposits down. He goes, well, what else have they given you? I go, they've offered me a scholarship. Oh, he they goes, did though? Yeah. He, okay. goes, he goes, how much? I told him the number and he goes, we'll match it. And he's like, now you're all out of excuses, aren't you? Right? Mm. Agreement formation. Broke it down, questioned, leaned into the objection. He could have hung up the phone. And listen, my life would be different. My life would be different had that guy hung up the phone and say, hey, you're going somewhere else. All good. I'll call the next guy on the list. Mm. But divine intervention, universal energy, spirituality, whatever he was, he fought me on it. And oh. I ended up going to Seton Hall. Yeah. And was that three years? I was there for three years. Um, ended up uh, working at a firm after that. All right. right? So, so you're there three years. You do like an intern along the way, right? Now, are you dating anyone at this point yet? Are you? So, so it wasn't then, but okay. in third year, we kind of dabbled, right? Got I it. wasn't a master in dating. I, I dabbled it. inside of it. Got it. Okay. Understood. So, but are you doing interns? Like, were you working at law firms in the summer or? So I, I did a, a, a stint in the DA's office. I did one at a law firm. I worked for two judges. What was that like that time while you were in school trying to figure out what you want to do next within the law? Listen, it was, I got to be honest with you. My first job was for an insurance defense firm. And they got to woo people because insurance defense is, uh, pardon my, to my insurance defense folk out there, it's not the, the cushiest or funnest job in the whole wide world. Mm. But they had to woo me. So, you know, every afternoon if there was a baseball game going, we'd get giant subs and go watch the Yankees play, right? And that was their thing. So work, work, work the day. In the evening, we're going to go to baseball games, and it was fun. But and and you were living where? Rockland County? Or were you at Seton Hall? Where did you live? I was in Rockland point? at that time. Okay, got it. Yeah. Got it. So, but yeah, that was fun. Then I did something at the D, uh, previously I did something at the DA's office, and I realized that criminal law was not for me. Um, now, non-judgment, what about it wasn't for you? Just, so you were bullied. Yeah. I'm not saying all bullies are criminals. I'm not going to say that. Yeah. Is that part of like protecting someone that may have been. So cr I don't wanna, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I'm in the law right now, so yeah, I don't so, know where I'm allowed to go with this. So criminal law and the criminal justice system is, is it's a really challenging place Got it. because some people are sociopathic. Some people are psychopathic, Yep. but many people who commit crimes are products of poor conditioning, yep. right? They condition no bad behaviors. Some of them are just desperate. Yep. And so when you're on the prosecution side, yep. it's tough to prosecute people who have been through that because that could have been me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I could have went a different way based on the bundle of conditions that I had. And if my home life was different or something didn't click into place, who knows? That so could it didn't have been feel me. right for you because of that. And on the same side, on the criminal defense side, yeah. some of these people are straight up criminals. Yeah. And how, how can I possibly defend, yeah. defend that? Yep. I don't blame so very quickly, very quickly, I realized that criminal defense and prosecution was not for me. Yeah. Then I tried the law, 
the, the civil side of it, which I did enjoy, I liked it, but insurance was not for me. Yep. Then I worked for a couple of judges and I did some work on the commercial side, the business side, and I really enjoyed that. I also did some stuff on the pharmaceutical side as well. That I did not enjoy too much um, yeah. because that's intellectual property. Those types of issues are extremely complex. To that, I turned to my, my colleague and, and partner, Fred Pinto, uh, who you Fred know. Fred P, what's up, man? Yep, so he's just tremendous inside of that space. He's phenomenal. Yeah, he gets things that I do not get, uh, and I leave that to him, but yeah. the, the civil and commercial litigation is really what appealed to me the most. Yeah, it's amazing, amazing. So you're good um, at this, Rob. I don't know if you know this. Thanks, like, I'm not used to sharing this many details about my I appreciate life. Appreciate it. I'm usually the one asking the questions. I got to be honest. We're gonna honor you today, though. <laughs> this is all. This is this is for you, your platform, and and how. Uh, I think Michael is so he's such a teacher privately to me, that one of the things that I'm excited about on this not only interview but podcast and and, and YouTube and all the videos that are gonna come from this, is there's folks out there that feel his or felt his pain. And he is one of the greatest communicators, one of the greatest guardians and protectors. And I think that um, it's so important that you get to know him and just pay attention to, to who he is and what he's doing in the world. Thank you, Rob. Um, thank you, brother. So, um, you, you know, as I understand that when people go to law school, they get recruited by a law firm. Is that a typical thing that happened? Did that happen with you? It's pretty typical. And, it didn't happen to me. And, okay, so tell me, like, you graduated, you gotta get a job, right? I know, listen, the, you know, all the pomp and circumstances, we graduated, I'm a lawyer now, like here we go, like we're gonna have a ton of jobs, right? And that's really not what happened. Was the job market dead at that point? Is it just, once again, like in any system, it's flawed based on like what we think we, we went to school for versus what the reality is? I think, it. It, I think it's more the latter than the former. I think at this point in time, the market had, had begun to pick up again for lawyers, Got it. right? More businesses, more, op, more things going on. Um, but it's just, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the reality that I believed it would be. Got it. So it was challenging, right? Finding the right position. I found a job in Times Square. They loved me. Um, I did not love them back very much uh, <laughs> since uh, you know, there, was, there was a whole debacle where, you know, they wanted me to work from home, but really I wasn't on the books. Oh and it was boy. just this whole, so, so I ended up leaving the beautiful, cushy Times Square job. Yeah. Uh, and taking a, a position with a law firm in New Jersey. And that's why I say my life would have been different because had I not gone to Seton Hall, I would never have even considered working in New Jersey, Got right? It. I Got was a New Yorker. It. I grew up in Flushing, Queens, lived in Rockland County, New York City, went to school in the city, Lexington and 24th, right? Yeah. New wow. Jersey, yeah. come on, what are you doing? that place? Isn't yeah. that where people why? just go to the beach and party and exactly. drink all day? Yeah, and surf. And that is not New Jersey <laughs> at all, by the way. <laughs> and surf. <laughs> yes, and so. New Jersey has some beautiful beaches, I will say. Yes, Long Beach Island. That's right. Um, so how long were you there at the Jersey-based firm? And did Seton Hall help you get in? Like, was that part of, no. did you know someone that knew somebody or you no. just interviewed? No, just, just interviewed for the job. And I ended up working with a beautiful mentor. His name was Doug Croft. He's now a judge. Doug Croft, I never, I never heard, that's the first time I've heard your name. Not saying Mike's never mentioned it, but I want to give you a major shout out. I love Mike. And if you had an impact on him, thank you. Yeah, Doug had Doug had a tremendous impact. because he Even took, though you're a judge, can I call you Dougie Fresh? Yes, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure he would love that. But he, he was just a tremendous guy. He ended up um, getting together with uh, a person whose uh, husband unfortunately passed away in uh, mm. during 9-11 and became almost like a surrogate father to the two kids. Just a, just a good man, like mm. heart, and just a wonderful person to end up as a mentor. And he really um, took me under his wing, taught me a lot, but slowed how did that me happen? down. Hold on, so great mentor, right? Yeah. He liked something about Mike. Yeah, you so know, like I, was a, I guess I was a bundle of just raw energy. I was fast, right? The fast processor, the good memory, makes for a good civil litigator. Yeah. Um, he had to slow me down, actually. He was Got one it. of the first people to say, like, you gotta slow down, because I was producing work at such a fast clip, so much of it, but I was making mistakes, right? Got there it. were errors that were happening, I wasn't thinking through yeah. things, yep. right? And he's like, you gotta slow down. He's Get like, it. even if you work 30% slower than you are right now, you'd still be one of the fastest people I've ever met, but the quality of your work would go will be up better. 200%. Yeah. And he was 100% right. Yeah. And 100% then, right. So you had to trust that to see it. And then when you saw it, you knew, right? That's right. And you had to trust it, though. Because I only knew one way of doing it. Fast processor, use your memory and go. Yeah. And now it was slow, deliberate, thoughtful. Yeah. And it, it did. The, the results that I was able to produce just by that was tremendous. And I owe that to him. That was huge mentorship for me. So in my business... We had like call centers and everyone had license, but it was very competitive. When you're coming up in a law firm, is it really competitive with young lawyers? Like, did you have that? Is that part of like why you had the speed and competition? And so, so listen, funny enough, the firm that I was with, um, they made it. They made a decision. They had only enough work yeah. for one associate. Okay. 
and there was an opportunity for them to snatch up another associate and they're like hmm we have one associate already one of our partners loves him the other ones don't know me from adam yeah but then there's this other guy who's coming along and his dad has access to all this business and oh. that kind of stuff and so they voted me out wow. so it was three partners two to one and they yeah. voted to bring on this other associate game of politics folks so remember at the end of the day these things exist um, they're short-lived if you have a short memory you can understand that the game is a lot longer than you think and if you find yourself in that position and I'll talk a little bit more about with my son it's important to create a system around it and never use that as an excuse Go ahead. yeah so so they voted me out the guy Doug had to do the actual terminating what a nice gift for him right mm -hmm. he voted to keep me the other two voted me out and in the termination session, I'll never forget this. He was the one who was crying. Wow. And I was like, Doug, it's okay. And I'm calming him down. I'm like, it's all right. These things happen. He's upset. He's crying. He's frustrated. And he goes, this is horrible. I wish this didn't happen. He ended up leaving the firm shortly thereafter. Yeah. Um, you know, I, he never specifically told me the reasons, but it was within a couple of months after that. He's out of, out of the firm. Yeah. But he made a telephone call to a guy by the name of Sean Callagy. And I remember this, right? And this is important. So wait, for, Dougie Fresh and Sean have a connection? They do. So, oh. so yeah. Boy, I can't wait to meet Dougie Fresh now. So, so Doug. I got some stories for you, Dougie. So Doug was an associate with this guy by the name of Sean Callagy. Wow. Right? Are they the same age? They are. Is Doug, is Doug my age or is he a little older? Doug is probably your age, I would say. <laughs> oh, Doug. Yeah. And Doug's a good guy. So I'm Doug, Rob from Bayonne, brother. So Doug I can't a, wait to get down with you. <laughs> and he's a good dude. He's still around the area. We got we to make this connection happen. Yeah. So. So Doug goes, I'm going to call this guy. His name is Sean Callagy. And um, the other two partners in the firm that I worked with, they never spoke highly of Sean. So I, I had heard the name before. What year are we talking about? Just so I understand. It's like a latest out in my head. 2009. So he's already had massive success. Yes. Got it. Okay. So, and, and at that point and in time. And, and his success has created fans and unfans, I'm assuming. Yes. Got it. So, Understood. So these, these folks are yeah. in the same industry as him. Got it. And I... They refer to him almost like in this quasi mythological figure, like he runs this puppy mill. It's the only way he could have been successful the way that he does. And other people used to say some crazy things about him, like his level of success is impossible yeah. for anybody to have achieved without having done it the wrong way. Yeah. Right. So so I go. Isn't that the guy that you've always taught? And they're like, don't but, listen. But Doug wouldn't say it. Never. Just those guys. Never. Got it. So, so I'd be like, isn't that the guy that you always talked about? Like with a little bit of that mm, edge, right? Or the other guys. Would, and he's like, don't listen to them. He goes, Sean's a good guy. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm out of a job. First of all, they asked me to stay for like another month. So they terminated <laughs> me. And then they go, we still got a bunch of work before this guy can start. Can you hang out for another week? Hang and on. I'm like, no, sure. No. I don't got anything else yeah, yeah. going on. Right. So maybe I should have said that. I know nah. this part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I remember this. So then, this yeah, yeah. So then I stay on for another week. And then the next week they asked me to stay on again. Yeah. And then they now, asked did me you to stay Sean on again. Now, did you meet Sean yet at this point or no? Did you, so, did, you had a couple interviews, as I recall, at like a 7-Eleven no, or something. No. So listen, I think I reached out to him. And, and Sean Sean operates at his own speed. Yes. Right? He's, he, uh, no, it's he's like no 9 to 5 or like I, listen, day of the week or even month, even the, year. The, the truth of it is, Rob, is he's neither late nor early. He arrives, always on time. he arrives precisely when he means that to. That brother's always on time. That's right. That's right. Even if it's, you know, an hour after. It could be a week later. It, he's on time. So, but listen, he was on time. So another week, another week, so another week. So he was about three weeks late, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but Sean, I love you, you know, um, but it's true. With this clip yes. is going to like live on in infamy. Yes. Right? So, so, so anyway, so stay on for another week, another week, another week, another week. <laughs> the fourth week comes around. I'm like, I'm staying for another week. I come in, they're like, no. we're good. <laughs> so These are really nice folks. I'd I know. like to invite them to my house. I know, I know. They are. They're good people. Um, so anyway, so I then get a telephone call from this guy by the name of Sean Callagy. But you had reached out first, or were you waiting on a call? I was Because Doug was setting it up. I, wait, I waited on the call. Got it. So, so I'm assuming that, that Doug made the call because the call ultimately did come. So I never asked when he made it or, or whatnot. So you maybe know, Sean was exactly on time. Hold, hold this thought. My, my mentor, Jay Bilstein, because I was in, I had some challenges back in 2012. Who I met. Fantastic person. Yeah. He said it only takes one person to bless you or support you or become your coach. And the rest could be history. Mm. And uh, very interesting as, as we talk about this, because um, 
it is that one person that I eventually met six years later when Jade told me that on what you're about to talk about now. Yeah. So I get a call from this guy. His name is uh, Sean Callicky. Yeah. And I'm like, now nah, I've heard whispers from everybody. You've had a lot Every of intel. That was all false at this point. Everybody in the industry was like, this is Sean Callicky. He doesn't really exist. He's, his firm is he too big. Exist. This is true. This is fact. In, in the hearings when we were in front of judges, they, they thought that he was like a pseudonym for like attorneys. Like they just signed his name like he wasn't a real person. Like he was a quasi mythological figure because there was no, no person could have achieved what he achieved. Right. He 40 uh, at th this point, I think he had 40 people working for him. He was like 29 years old when he started all this. Here stuff. He bought and sold the firm and then oh, redid it again. Bought and sold it. Sole owner. Like this is not the way law firms operate. Right. Yeah. Like partners. All, program in the middle. Right. The whole everything talked on stages, mentorship to corporate. Like this is not a real person. Right. Yeah. So I get a telephone call from him, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is him, the quasi-mythological figure. Did you say figure. Sean Callagy at that point? Was the phones like that? Do you remember, or you just saw the number? No, the truth of it was, it was just a telephone number. But again, that's what, when it rings, it, like, lights up specially and stuff like that. And I go running for that phone because that means, listen, action. That's right, action, right? Yeah. So <laughs> we're on, right? Yeah. So when, when, you know, Bruce Wayne's other phone rings, no problem. That red phone lights up. You got to go. It, it's time to go. Gotta go. So my phone lights up, bat phone. I, I can prove that to you. I'll show you if he calls us during this interview. Um, it, will light it will light He's up. Watching us right now. <laughs> it will light up. Cameras all over the place. So uh, he calls you. So I get a telephone call from this guy, and um, right away I know he's absolutely insane. He's got to be. There's nobody that talks like this, and he's talking to me about what it is he's looking for in a human being. Got it. And as he's talking, I'm getting more and more and more uncomfortable because mm. the person he's talking about is someone who's been in the law for 10 years, not me. I haven't even been in the law for a year at this point. And he's talking about a person who's gonna manage his uh, workers' comp division, a person who's gonna be a lead trial attorney for him. And he gets done talking and I go, gee, Sean, that all sounds really good, but I don't even know if you know like anything about me. And he goes, I know that Doug called. And that's all I need to know. Mm. I go, but Sean, I haven't even been an attorney for a year yet. And he said something that to this day rings true. It doesn't matter how much experience you have. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. It's who you are that matters. Mm. I'm not looking for the right level of experience, the right level of education, the right level of anything. I don't care about any of that. I'm looking for the right person. Are you the right person? And I said, Heck yes, I am. I didn't use those words, but I said, heck yes, I am. He goes, great, we need to meet. And that was it. That was the end of the conversation. So this was like 10 minutes. It was a 10 or 15 yeah. minute long conversation. And that and led to a one-on-one -on -one meeting? It led to a one-on-one -on -one meeting. Do you want to tell everybody what it was? <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm happy. We're going, we're going this, is, this is candid, right? So, so um, we're doing it at, at Sean's office. But he's like the be one of the best attorneys in New Jersey. Can we say that in what he does? So, like he's a legend, legend and that's whether people are mad or not, he's known and he's produced massive success. So listen, so there's the way the way the practice of law is situated is there's different industries, different sub niches, right? There's niches and then sub niches. In one particular sub niche, right, in the in the space of representing medical providers against insurance companies, doctors, listen up. He is by far the number one. It, it ain't even close. I think you could combine his next three. Um, competitors at this point in time, and they don't even sniff at the amount of market share that he's acquired. This still exists to this day? To, my understanding is 20, to this 20, day. Yeah. To this day, right? There's nobody even close yeah. as far as I understand it. So I could be wrong about that because I haven't looked at the stats, but my understanding is it's still, it's still, still the same. Relevant. Which is why he's developed this quasi-mythological, like he just doesn't exist. You can't do what he did. <laughs> but here I am going to his office to like see like the nerve center, base camp, like yeah. of this thing that like everybody's talking about. And he's already got the, I think he had the only published appellate division decision at this point. All right, explain. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, so, so uh, every court in the land, including uh, in each state and the United States itself has essentially three levels. You have your trial court level, which is where all the action really happens. You have your next level, which is referred to as like your appellate division. Um, which is where the very, very scholarly judges look at what happened at the trial court level and make sure that everything was called correctly. You can see this on Law and Order. 
you could see it on law and order, Got right? It. Yes. <laughs> so, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And every court has a different name. So in New York, it's called the Supreme Court. In New Jersey, it's called the Superior Court. And different states have different names. That's the trial court level. Mm -hmm. And then you have your appellate level. And then you have your highest court in the land. In, the, in New York, it's called the, the, uh, the Court of Appeals. Yeah. Uh, in New Jersey, it's called the Supreme Court. In the United States, it's called the United States Supreme Court. Yeah. So Sean had the only, that intermediate level, appellate division decision, in, in all of New Jersey, as I understood it, that was beneficial to medical providers. And so like, like that- Because the game was rigged against the medical providers, correct? Is that fair? Am I, am so I accurate or am I just missing? So, so no, no, it's definitely, so you are accurate yeah. to the point where New Jersey has some of the most strictest laws in the state to the point of where they're subject to challenge that are beneficial towards the insurance companies and against the medical yeah. providers. So, so if anybody who knows Sean knows him, like this is a dude that always chooses the underdog. This is the dude yes. who never chooses the easy path. Nope. He's like, here's the victims and I'm going to go to bat for them at major personal cost, yep. right? At major personal risk. Yep. And he went to bat, went to the appellate division, had the only published opinion, which sent reverberations through the industry, wow. right? Which is, again, contributing to the quasi-mythological nature of who he is at this point so, in time. So, Mike, when you talk about him going to the appellate division yeah. from Helodias, yeah. meaning that he won, what was that time? Was that like a year? Is that three years? Like, what is that? What kind of time frame is that in the middle of like running your business? So I can only talk about what my experience has been. I can't talk about what it was for that particular case, but it's usually probably four, five, six years. Yeah, it doesn't happen overnight is the point. It does not. Got and it. there's bursts of time where it's all encompassing. Yeah. Like everything in your life stops, family, personal, social, all of it stops yeah. because everything goes into that. Yeah. And, yeah. So and to play with that, what I've noticed, the, you know, Sean's, People that don't know what I know, and I know like maybe 10% of what Michael knows, but here's what I'm not confused about. His long game, his long, first of all, his game is incredible. Just his life's game. But his long game, his ability to outlast anybody is something I've never in my life have ever seen. Yeah. Meaning, you know, he's building up another company right now and it's going through what it goes through and companies go through what they go through. But his long game, like, like you, you just, just know, know it's gonna, gonna do something, something special just because of what he does. And a lot of folks that don't have that vision, it says in the Bible, where there is no vision of people perish, it happens in, in, in when you get around a um, super talent, a superhero like Sean, people will come and go because they just don't have that long vision. That's right. You know, right. and he has that long vision and it's pretty incredible actually. And I'm hearing you articulate it and you are without a doubt his greatest greatest mouthpiece um please continue to do that and these videos will be you know sent all over the place but yeah so continue. so so now you're like good to go you go to the nerve center you're in the office boom that's right so like on the one hand you know i've, I've worked with sean now for 13 years and to that point he's like a nuclear reactor. Like just pull out the control rods and he will go thermonuclear. Off with their head. That's right. Keep the, keep the control, keep the control rods in and it's just unlimited energy for Party. as long as it, yeah. And it just never, it just never ends. Yeah. And listen, for his adversaries, that's a nightmare, it right? Is. Because what, when they've run out of their fuel, He's still burning. Especially when they're home at night and they think it's okay and cozy. That's they're right. The fireplace and they're that's having hot cocoa. That's right. That's when they're really in trouble. Yes. And listen. he's doing push-ups. And he's like Chuck Norris. He doesn't sleep. He waits. He waits. <laughs> he really doesn't sleep, though. He doesn't. No, he wakes up in the morning and, you know, usually like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, he like wakes up suddenly, you know, fully rested like a vampire, right? And, and begins like this executive creative decision time we're just. Wait, is that when you start getting the phone calls? Like that's when you start getting the phone calls. The voice calls memos at 3 a.m. That's right. The the voice memos, and back then it was the text messages, right? At like 3 a.m. in the morning, because he's this is his time where his his spring is, like the load is off the spring. Yeah, and he's gonna and download it and get it out. Bingo. And yep. so the the create the creativity comes out at that time. Yep. And Sean has mastered the art of like sleep leverage, where like, you know, most of us will be like, well, I go to bed at 9 30, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. Sean's like, yeah, I gotta go to bed at 5 a.m., uh, 5 p.m., so that I can wake up at 2 a.m., be fully rested, like beyond rested. And he begins work at an ungodly hour in order to get the maximum value of, of his time. So he'll leverage his sleep in that way. But and at that point, he was able to, because, you know, obviously he's legally blind now. But back then, he was probably able to text in a way that 
probably was even more sharp than it would be now, although he does voice memos. So, so I will say like this. The, texting must the, have been the vision was always an issue. It's just he was so good at he was so good at his his because he was he was going to be a professional athlete. His agility was so high, you never really could tell when he was moving around. But there were things that would have set off red flags that now I know to look for yeah. that I didn't I would not have noticed before. But the vision was always an issue to the point where he would use like a, a BlackBerry. I remember that. And and because he needed the feeling of the keyboard yes. under his fingers, yep. and he was a prolific typer. Yep. Like, yeah, like it was just unbelievable at how fast he could type, but he couldn't see what he was writing. Yeah. So, and he would have to use his peripheral vision to look at it. And I never really paid, I just thought he was an odd duck. Yeah, so, right? so, like, so my one like this, because Sean can only see this way in like the size of a pin, not right. straight on. That's right. So, that's but, yeah. so like he'll drop a pen and he'll start like, like it'll, it'll be like, you, but it's over here. yeah, and he, he'll start looking for it. And it's like right underneath of his hand. And he's like, where's the pen? Yeah. And you're like, it's right there. You never really paid attention in or around like 2012 or 2013. Wow. It, be, it, it became noticeable. It became noticeable even to the outside. Like by 2010, 11, I began to see it. Yeah. By 2012, I think outside people would notice it. Yeah. By 2013, it was like, it, it came to the point where someone would extend their hand to shake his hand yeah. and he would walk right away from them and he would think, people would think he was rude, but he didn't see their hand, right? That's what happened to me, by the way. Yeah. So I met him in Rudy's Crab House and uh, he actually told me that he, I remember he even said that he, he couldn't see, but I thought like, he didn't say blind. But it was like, you know, his problem was vision. This was, yeah. so I thought like for the first time, I didn't know he was blind. Yeah. Even when I got attacked in, in Florida when I was next to you at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> when I, 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 I remember. He's not gonna say attack though, he's gonna say, what do you mean attack? I didn't attack No, it was, it was a care front. You it was a but, but the reality is, I, I think I was one of the first people to say like, Sean, like you have to start telling the world you're blind. He was very against it. He didn't, um, because, I know, he didn't want it to be because I think I think he saw how people abuse yes. disability to yep. get advantages and he used to do social security disability work and he used to appear in front of a judge who had had just was completely 100% blind mm. and so people would come into their disability hearing and be like judge you know my back hurts I can't work anymore I want permanent disability and this judge was completely blind still working so and and Sean well, I think he, he modeled him and saw like how integrous that man was in, in working, the, although he was fully blind as a judge. And, and he, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say he hid his blindness, but he wouldn't talk about yeah. it. And then it caused the problem in 2014, and then he started being more open in the world. And I told him what that problem was. We actually had an adversary that took a case all the way to trial because he was so ego-filled that Sean wouldn't shake his hand in like 2011 or 12, that he was just like, screw this guy, I'm gonna take this case to trial. The guy got annihilated. And I was like, well, why did you do it? Like we offered you all these settlement opportunities, you zero. He's like, you know what? He goes, I put my hand out to shake Sean's hand and we we're gonna have a conversation like gentlemen. And that dude like walked right away from me. And I remember turning to this attorney and going like, Sean's like blind, like completely blind. He didn't see your hand. Yeah. He wasn't a jerk. Like that's not who Sean is at all. Yeah. If you've met Sean, you know he is, as as compassionate as the day is long, heart-centered, generous to a fault, right? Generous to a fault, compassionate without judgment, like like just purely empathetic. Like he wouldn't do that. Like there's no reason for him to do that unless you had violated so many different integrity principles. He just wouldn't shake your hand. But he had walked away from this guy and caused it to have to go to trial, which is a great result for us. But ultimately, that's that's not. You want to get a result as quickly as possible. You don't want to have to take a case all the way to trial if you don't want to. But I'm like, Sean, you gotta start telling the world you're blind. And I think in 2014, 15 is when he started like being more open about his blindness. Yeah. He had really actually hidden it where other people would have probably taken advantage of it. Yeah, and, and, and folks, check it out. This is gonna be broken up into three, four, maybe five parts. Uh, I'm, I'm just gonna sit here for as long as it's gonna be because this is like just one of those interviews that for me, I'm learning a lot. Um, but I will say this, Sean had created a niche but you hear Michael talk about trials now, which is gonna lead us on our next stage or our next journey. Um, that niche on revenue recovery became so automatic pilot, still exists to this day as we know it's relevant, even to this moment where he's not even there for that, I would assume. But his ability to be in a trial, which is where Michael has had tremendous success being the apprentice to Sean at that point, but now on his own what he does is incredible. And this is all tied to a coaching strategy that Sean has invented, 
over the years that Michael, to me, without a doubt, is the number one, not only student of it, but performer of it. Um, and the level of honor and integrity that he holds with, um, you know, what I like to call the Callagy results formula. Now it's, it's inside of the, the coaching company Unblinded that he's founded. Um, Callagy results formula is where I kind of came on the scenes and a lot of my teachings, although Sean patiently spent time with me, I was a, without a doubt, a project for him. Um, but, we all were. But, Michael, <laughs> but Michael's been like the, you know, we talk about similar others in one of the tools of persuasion, uh, social proof. Michael's been the one that could take Sean's speed of language and just say, no, no, Rob, this is what it means. Yeah. And it's been very powerful. Um, so, so if you could share about like, you know, there was some really big kick-ass verdicts in uh, 14 and 16, top 100, that yeah. were, um, you know, one of them, as I know, is one of the most incredible victories known to mankind in this space. Uh, massive underdog, checked all the marks that, that meant something to you from a bullying perspective and everything else. Yeah, sure. But also you were going through a tumultuous time, as was Sean, and this was like a five-year case from what I understand from mm -hmm. beginning to end, um, six? six? Six years. years. Think about that. Six years. Like, uh, six years. You know, like, this isn't like, hey, I'm going to call you and say we're going to buy a mutual fund. Someone's at the door, right? Um, this is that, hey, um, we're going to dig into this and put all of our reputations on the line and be able to kind of, you know, burn the boats. And it's one of the most incredible things that's ever happened. Um, and it launched him. He was already a star, but just took him to a whole other place, as it did you. Um, if we can get into that, but but I do want to talk about Sam, though. When did Sam come on the scene? Because we're in 2014 right now. Yeah. So, so we got we, we need to kind of, we know behind every great man is a great woman. So listen, late. Right? Where's the video about that? We're going we're gonna to shore, shore up the timelines because if you recall, I told you I got let go from yeah, firm number one, yep. right? Were you with and Sam at that point? So... So that's that's the story. That's the okay. fun part. So so in June of 2009 is when I met my now wife. Yep. Right. I met her in, in June of 2009 um, and I was with firm number one. And then yes. in or around the middle of June, just when we started dating, I got let go from my position. Right. They, they decided to make that decision. And I remember having a call and be like, I literally just got fired today from my job. I got let go from my position. And I was really scared to tell it. Like, I was like, I wasn't scared, but I definitely addressed it. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, listen, I hope you know, I that guy, right? Like, I don't get fired from yeah. positions. But you were straight up, though. I was. I was yeah. straight up. I'm like, you listen, you got to hang around because that's not who I am. And she did right to her credit. So you're right. Yeah. Like behind every great man and behind every great woman is a powerful spouse, she right? Or a powerful significant right? other. Like she, she did. She gave you like what you needed. She did. To she did. She did. I, listen, we, we got to get her here and get her. And you can ask her the same questions. Maybe her confidence was shaken. I don't know, but I don't think so. I, she'll tell us. That's for sure. She'll tell us exactly what she was thinking at the time. So listen, she. I, I will say this. She picked me up. So I'm assuming that she knew She knew the investment she was making. She I got to tell you, when I think of Sam, I think of the Christmas party. I sat at the table with you and Sam the first time. I've, I've never, she has been... And I mean this, like the most consistent person and like, you know, conversation to me ever in that space, in that, that world I stepped in. You know what I mean? Like from day one, she was just like very friendly with me. You know what I mean? Like there was a, maybe it's because of her dad and, and me and, and we share that, you know, the, the, the gift of living two lives. You know what I'm saying? But I think that's, that could have been it. But she's always been like straight with me. I, that is definitely a big piece of it because I think she sees. I think she sees the beautiful heart in you that she sees in her dad, yeah. um, and she's she's very good at that. Like she she will dissect a human being yeah, was, based on their nonverbals, yeah. right? So not listening to what they're saying, but get a really good feel for them. And, and dissecting sounds like a like a cold no, calculation. No, 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 no. no, but she came quick to to dig deep into. We, I mean, this was at a Christmas party at a table where there was loud music. There was actually a guy there that was wearing a jacket that said "Lions" on it. Um, on the other side of the table, That's right. but I was able to sit next to Sam because at that point, the Lions guy, I was like, you know, not intimidated, but I was like, well, you know, that's weird. You know what I mean? Like, I remember it was a Christmas party, not judgment, but I was judging. But Sam was just like, just blah, 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 talking to me. No different than with Michael, the second time I met Sean in uh, Paramus, and I was very standoffish. Um, I was like, you know, 
I didn't want to let anybody in. I was going through so much. And Michael literally sat next to me um, and was was communicating with me on what we're going to talk about in a way that um, it was just so like friendly, and it was so like opening, you know. And and this goes back to your responsibility to the formula. You don't weaponize it, dude. Mm-hmm. And some people do. Yeah. You know, and and you know it is what it is. And when I think about my journey. And I think about you, it's like always been pure. Yeah. If that makes any sense. You know? No, it, it, it makes perfect sense. If you listen to, to the way that Sean talks about the formula, it almost always starts with integrity, right? So it's, it's integrity-based human influence, right? It's not just influence. Because influence is a tool. It's a weapon. Could be um, bad. Yeah, and it can, it, it's the actor and how they use it that determines whether it's good or bad. The tools and how it functions is automatic. Yes. It's how you use it that matters. And that's why Sean is always, when he talks about the superpower of influence, it's yeah. always integrous, integrity-based, because if you don't use it with integrity, then it just becomes another tool of coercion and it becomes another mm. tool of manipulation and it's used for dark energy. And the, the reality and is- This is all truth. Like this is yeah. real stuff. Once you remove a manipulating or coercive force, people begin, the dust wears off and they begin to realize that they've been manipulated. And that doesn't leave them any better off. It doesn't help them with yeah. their love, their certainty, their contribution, their feelings of, of what they say matters. It, it's just, you railroaded them. You use the tool yeah. in their brain that is automatic against them, yep. and now they feel used yeah. and empty. And so, you know, one of the, the most important parts of this is that it's always deployed with integrity. Yeah. And it's, so, listen, sometimes it's hard, yeah. right, to know what way is up, what ways, yes. what's the right thing to do. If you always make decisions based on telling the truth, right, and aligning your words with action, mm. it makes your decision making so much easier. Mm. Well said, brother. Welcome back to to Rob Gill's Epic Financial Strategies Podcast. If you like what you're hearing and want to learn how to take action on your financial future, Click the link in our bio to speak to us directly. To learn more about how you can achieve financial freedom, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow Rob Gill all over social media. Financial freedom awaits.